You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guest is a singer-songwriter who puts a modern spin to the 2000s alternative trends. He released his debut EP Nostalgia in 2017 and soon after received a precarious diagnosis. At only 24, he had developed a brain tumour that needed surgery and extensive rehabilitation. Here to tell us more about his story is Darrow Chia. How are you, Darrow? I'm doing really well, you know. It's it's nighttime here. I'm, I'm in Brooklyn, New York, and it's freezing cold. Um, I know. I've been seeing snow everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and it was crazy because, like, um, was, the other day I was like regretting not buying a pair of boots. I was gonna buy like earlier in the year. I was gonna buy like a pair of winter boots for like the snow, and then I was just like, you know, it hasn't really snowed here in New York in a couple of years. At least not really hard. And so I decided not, not to buy the boots. And then, like, in the last two weeks, we just got, like, three feet of snow dumped on I us. Know. And I very much regret not buying those boots. <laughs> you're, you're, personally, you're actually one of my f- absolute favorite cities. I, I'm i so obsessed with New York. It's quite ridiculous. Oh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> awesome. You should, I mean, how many times have you been? Uh, I've been about three times now. It's a long trip for us. <laughs> okay, yeah. When was the last time? Oh, uh, I can imagine. It yeah. was only in, I think... Uh, May of last year. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. not too far. That was actually yeah. when the pandemic was still uh, just still before, just starting, just before. Oh, so yeah, we literally, yeah. we literally got back and everything started. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Was. Now, Dara, tell us how things were going before this diagnosis. Whew, okay. Um, so in 2017 was, that was actually a really eventful year because I was in my final year of my master's program. So I, I went to Berkeley College of Music and um, there was a master's program out in Spain. So I was like studying abroad, living in Spain when all this was happening. Wow. And so um, the thing about like music school is, at least for me personally, it was really hard to actually focus on my own music while I was in school because you know, so much of the assignments was like playing music for other people, like being in yeah. a part of an ensemble and playing guitar for other people and stuff like that. Um, so I didn't, I didn't devote as much time to developing my own artistry because partially because of the whole school and the commitments to other people. But then also like a huge part of it was just, I was insecure. Like I was mm. scared. I was scared as an artist. Like I was afraid to write and release my own music. Um, and so things really started to like toward the end of the year, things started to kind of pick up in a couple of ways. So I was finishing the EP that was technically my, you know, my school programs, my, my culminating project, essentially like the thesis for me. Um, and I was getting to a point where I was like, okay, like after I'm done this program, like, what am I going to do? You know, mm-hmm. I, I still hadn't figured it out. Cause I was like living under this like dream of like, you know, I was out in the Mediterranean and, you know, and i like making music and playing music and then I didn't I like I took some time to think about okay do I really want to just continue doing music um or should I like you know settle for a desk job or something you know to like pay the bills um and so it was it was getting towards the end of the school year and you know things were starting to kick up for me musically you know I was just releasing my EP um and I was about to finish the program and come back to the United States um, and that was also when I started noticing that I was having vision problems. Um, and it kind of manifested in the form of peripheral, like blurry vision in my peripheral vision, mm-hmm. um, almost kind of like tunnel vision, but it was very, very okay. gradual, you know? So at first I was like, I 
at first I thought it was an eye infection, to be honest. I thought that like I wear contact lens, so I thought that like like there was a scratch in my contact lens. So I would, mm. you know, replace my contact all the time and the blurry vision, like the blurriness wouldn't go away. So then I thought, okay, maybe there was like some sort of eye infection happening and I um I just need to go see my eye doctor. And since I was like you know, a week away from graduating and coming back to the United States. So I, I figured I'd wait and come back and see like a doctor in the United States. Hmm. So, you know, I, I go through that last week of school, we graduate, um, it was really bittersweet and was sad. And I get home, not two days being in the United States. I go see my eye doctor, 11 a.m. in the morning, Monday morning. Um, and I, you know, I go to my doctor and I tell him, uh, yeah, I'm having some vision problems. I don't really know why. Like the, my peripheral vision is really blurry. And, you know, we went through this testing process where he kind of like checked the pressure of my eyes and kind of like what was behind my eyes. And then he had me sit out in the waiting room um, until he was like looking over the results and calls him back in. And when I come back into the office, I see him on Google. And the first thing, like, I was just like, it was the, the a weirdly informal way of telling me what was wrong with me yeah. of just like he pulling up Google images and saying, this is what a normal eyeball looks like. This is kind of what your eyeball looks like. And he was like, there's a lot of pressure happening behind your optic nerves. Um, and this is not something that I, it's not something that I can like figure out right now. I need you to go to the emergency room and get an MRI. And he was like, immediately, like no time, like, like right now. Yeah. And I was like, what? And so for me, I'm, I'm still thinking it's some sort of issue with my eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, so I go to the emergency room and I figured like, I don't know, it's like noon by now. Um, I go to the emergency room and I figured, oh, he like wrote me a little note saying that they, they would come see me immediately. And of course that like really holds no weight at all yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in the emergency rooms in, in America. Um, you base the only way you can like get seen immediately is if you come via ambulance. Yeah which I didn't know at the time. So I was literally waiting in the uh, the waiting room for about eight hours until someone saw me. And I didn't eat, I needed a single thing. And I don't know why I did this, but I didn't eat a single thing because I just kept thinking, eventually they'll see me and then they'll let me go and then I'll get food, you know? Yeah, yeah. Me thinking that like, this is just like a single, like a small little routine thing. Turns out um, it's not that at all. And I end up, after this night, I end up in the hospital for two weeks. Wow. Um, so like, I like, you know, it was like one of those weird things where like I left my house that morning, like thinking I'd be back in an hour or two yeah, yeah. and didn't come back for like two weeks. Um, and like, like I said, this was only two days being back in the United States. So I didn't even have health insurance at this point. Um, cause I had like health insurance in Spain and I yeah. just got back to the United States. So, um, Actually, while I was in the waiting room, I was applying for um, Obamacare <laughs> on my phone <laughs> as I was waiting for uh, to get checked up. So then, okay, so they finally get me into the ER or to the to to a nurse's room or whatever, and they check my vitals and all that stuff. And then, before they actually get to the MRI, they start asking me these really odd questions that seemingly had no relation to each other, like. They asked me if like I was experiencing any jaw pain. They asked me if I had any joint pain. They asked me um, uh, like if there was swelling in certain areas of my body, just like really weird, you know, um, things that had nothing to do with my eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they, you know, they took blood tests and then they finally get me into the MRI. And the, I remember that they, they asked, I remember them asking me if um, I've ever been, if I've ever had an MRI before and I had, but it was of the knee because I tore my MCL a, like a few years ago and that was like the extent of it, but I'd never had like an MRI of the brain. 
So they, when you have, whenever you do an MRI of the brain, they inject you with this thing called contrast, which is yeah, I've basically had it, I've had it done. Oh, it is, it okay. is not fun at all. It's not. It's not because, <laughs> like, I mean, they have to, you know, inject you. They have to stick yeah. an IV in you, and then they like literally inject this liquid to dilate your blood vessels to a certain mm. color, so it shows up on the MRI. A they also way. trap your head into that little. Yeah, and it's so uncomfortable. Oh. You gotta, you have to like literally sit still for like forty minutes. And... That was the first time I actually had a panic attack. I used to have. The, I've had a few. And then oh, really? the last one I had, I actually had a panic attack and couldn't do it. So they had to actually give me medication to go back in. So I was calm wow. because as soon as they put that thing on my face, I literally started. <laughs> I get out oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't, I, yeah, it's, it's really claustrophobic in there it too. Is. And it's loud. Um, so loud. So it's, 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 it's not a very pleasant experience. Um, but what made it even worse for me that day was that was my first MRI. And when they injected me with a contrast, I, I would broke out in hives because uh, I was allergic yeah. and I didn't know, like I had no idea that I was allergic to this thing. Um, so like they finished the MRI and they pulled me out. Um, and they're like, they obviously we didn't know that I was, I was allergic to it. Um, but they got the images and they saw it. There was a four centimeter lesion at the base of my brain. That's what they're calling it. A lesion. Um, and it was a tumor, but I didn't know. Nobody knew exactly at that moment what it was. Just They just saw this thing there. Yeah, it's yeah. four centimeters, like the size of a golf ball. Um, and it was so big that it was physically suppressing the optic nerves in my eyes. Crazy. Um, and it turns out that it was actually a t pituitary tumor. So it was a tumor that was latched onto the, my pituitary gland, and it was um, causing wild hormonal imbalances and like dysfunction. Um, cause the pituitary gland is the gland yeah. that's responsible for all the hormone production. So like, I, like I was, I had like four times the normal amount of growth hormone in my body. So my wow. body was like still growing. Um, I like, I had zero testosterone. I had like my cortisol levels were through the roof. Um, prolactin was through the, through the roof. Um, just all, you know, it was all over the place. And so, um, when when you look back at when you look back at that, do you then yeah. think to yourself, "Oh, that's why I was feeling this way," or yes, why absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so another like another like another issue that I dealt with before I even had the the, the brain surgery was that in 2016 I had jaw surgery right. because. I had a really bad underbite that I wasn't, I wasn't born. Like I, I always had like a normal set of teeth and, you know, um, and it wasn't until I was about 18 when I started like my, the bottom part of my jaw started growing out a little bit. Yeah. And then it got really bad. Like it got to the point where like I had a pretty bad underbite where like my teeth weren't touching like at all. Um, and this happened like between the ages of 18 and like 20, 23 or 24. Um, and it's because of the growth hormone that was in my body. It was actually causing yeah. bones in my body to continue growing. Um, so like that was one cause of it. Another cause was like, I actually grew like four inches after I was finished puberty because of the growth hormone. But after puberty, like your platelets, they fuse, right? So yeah, yeah. like it's physically stretching out like joints in my body that aren't supposed to be stretched out anymore, which was actually part of the reason why it was so easy for me to tear my ACL when I was yeah. like in college. Uh, and it was just like all like random things like that, that just continue to add up. Um, and I'll never forget when I, so we scheduled a surgery to get the surgery removed in September of 2017. 
And I'll never forget going under and then waking up immediately after the surgery and just feeling complete, like a completely different person. I just like, it was insane. It was like, I just remember, I remember there being this constant pressure, like at the back of my neck, you know, like since I was, as long as I can remember since I was like 18, which is when the headache started. And that's when I, that's when I assume that the tumor really started like kicking in its effect because we're probably when I was around 18. Um, and I remember ever since that time, like I was always, I always had headaches. I was like, I was always under like this weird stress mood and stuff like that. And there was always this constant pressure in the back of my neck, kind of like where, where the back of my neck and my head meet. Yeah. Um, and then I woke up from the surgery and it was just, it was gone. It was just like, it was for the first time. I just didn't feel any pain like wow. at all. And it could have been the medication. I don't remember if there was any medication or not, but I just woke up feeling, I honestly, it felt like I woke up from like a five-year dream. Isn't like it amazing? really did. Yeah. And, and my vision was so clear. I, wow. and my vision was like, I remember I'd say this all the time, but I remember them wheeling me down a hallway and they wheeled me past this orange couch and it was the brightest orange I had seen in so long. And it was just like, I didn't realize that like my vision was so affected that like yeah. colors were more dull. Isn't that incredible? But yeah. It was insane. It's insane. Make sure you subscribe to Ants Talk. So what was it like getting the diagnosis at such a young age? Uh, it was, it was mortifying. Um, there was, so what I, what I didn't actually like touch upon was when I was in that ER room, um, before they found out what the tumor was, they, they were, they listed me a possible, like a list of possible um, scenarios. And like, it could be fluid, like it could be spinal fluid that's just been built up and it needs to be drained. They said it could be like a benign tumor or some sort of mass. And then they said it could be cancer. And of course, when they said, when they said the C word, I just like, I lost and yeah, like, yeah. my body just drained of all energy. Um, and I just completely checked out. I like, that was, I think the, the first and only moment that I legitimately, legitimately, legitimately thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it's, it's a really, really hard feeling to describe. Um, fear definitely is at the forefront of those feelings. Um, but I guess part of it, like regret for not doing more, um, you know, just like, just like feeling, I guess, empty, like sad. Cause like, I don't know. Yeah. It was just crazy. I was texting my friends. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like they might have, I might have cancer. They might have to operate on me tomorrow in the morning. Like, like who knows what's going to happen. Um, yeah. And there was just like, there was this also this weird casing of numbness around me where it's just like, no matter what anyone told me, it didn't make me feel any better at all. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Cause this it was just like, like, don't worry, just like go to sleep. You'll sleep on it. Like, don't worry about it now because you don't have enough information, et cetera. And I was like, no matter what anyone told me, it didn't matter what they said, because unless it was a doctor coming in telling me that it wasn't cancer, not a single word made any difference to me. That's it. And I sat like that for like eight hours, just overnight wow. waiting. It was just, it was the longest night. Excruciating, so, I bet. Yeah, it was excruciating. So you also had to relearn how to sing and speak again how, after the operation. Yes. So that was kind of like, it was like a twofold thing because the first time I had to relearn how to sing was after my jaw surgery. Um, because after the, oh, that jaw surgery was gruesome. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, they, so it was a double jaw surgery. And what they ended up doing was, 
And again, this is before I knew I had a tumor. So like, mm. I had no idea that the reason I had this jaw surgery was because of the tumor, but they essentially like took the top and bottom parts of my jaw and like broke it in six places Ooh. and then removed like little chunks of bone from both the top and bottom part of my jaw. And they kind of pushed my bottom jaw backward and like moved my top jaw forward. And then they like screwed it all together with titanium plates. And then they wired my entire jaw shut. And oh. I was basically like, banded and wired shut for like like four or five months Ugh. and then i was put on resistant rubber bands for a while and i was like put on a, i was like on an all-liquid diet for like like five or six months wow. um that was that was brutal and i it was really hard to sing after that because obviously yeah like, yeah not only did they like screw up like with my mouth and everything but like so many nerve endings were just like demolished yeah, during yeah. that process that like i still have like really numb chin um and my cheekbone is like really numb um so like it was hard for me to like kind of feel kind of what i was doing to be honest when i was it's actually to it's actually amazing that they didn't pick that up like doing because they would have done so many you know x-rays and and scans yeah. of your jaw it's amazing that they didn't see the tumor way back i know it's, and that's actually one of the things that like i i i, I feel like should be become like i'm not a doctor obviously but because i've been in this situation for so long um i kind of know like the ins and outs a little bit of this field of brain tumor slash jaw surgery issues and it's actually a really common thing for people to have like the 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 disease that i have um one of the diseases that i have through the tumor is called acromegaly which is um really really high levels of growth hormone um and it's very common to have like a grown underbite from it's wow. actually one of like the really leading features one of the noticeable features um and really big hands and so I, I feel like it should be become more common for you know um jaw surgeons to look out for that if they have yeah. like a patient that like is coming in for a jaw surgery like it wouldn't really be hard for them to just ask have you always had this problem or did this only start like a couple of years ago and then yeah, just exactly. get an MRI you know what I mean yeah, I, I don't know if it's becoming more prevalent or not, but I do think that that's something that should be like standard procedure for anyone getting jaw surgery. Definitely. So how important was your music in the healing process? Um, I, it was vital. Um, and it sounds cliche, but it's like when I think about the music and 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 how I'm able to articulate my experiences, like basically what I've been doing just now, I wouldn't have been able to do this two years ago. Yeah. Because one, I hadn't like really sat down and processed it yet. Um, and like my, like the way that I process it is through music. And so like, um, when I write the songs and, and I compose the music for whatever situation that like I'm conveying, um, it really helps me to articulate it in a way that people can understand. So, like songs of recovery was which was the album that i just just released um that kind of goes over specific moments throughout the last couple of years mm -hmm. that i specifically relate to being caused by the tumor um like let me think so for wired shut obviously that's the name of one of my songs wired shut is about when i woke up from my jaw surgery and i woke up feeling like like i had a different face on me um and like i didn't know how to describe the feeling of like this doesn't feel like my face 
Yeah. Like, but I can't physically feel anything. But then I was also heavily sedated, so like, I it also felt kind of like um, serene because I was yeah. really high from the drugs. Um, and so using like like these experience, like when I write out the music and I figure out the experience that I'm trying to convey through the music, um, and then like I read through the lyrics, and then it just really helps me put those feelings and experiences into a little box that is not, that now exists, mm. and now like. Like I'm able to kind of just like now that not only like share it with people and display it, but I'm also better able to articulate how I was feeling during those moments. So where are you now with the illness? So post-surgery, I'm I'm like I'm pretty certain that I am as recovered as I will ever possibly be. Um, I'm in like I have okay, so after the surgery. I recovered to a certain extent, right? Uh, but because there was like damage, I guess, to my pituitary gland, there are certain hormone functions that are just gone forever for me. Like there's a little window of time where like sometimes you can gain function or like sometimes your hormones will go back to working by themselves, mm. but I'm well past that time period. So after this point, it's like very little chance that I'll recover any more than this. So like I still like I still have really high levels of growth hormone. So I had to take an injection to suppress that growth hormone. Yeah. Um, and it's like every four weeks and it's super expensive. Um, my body still doesn't make testosterone. So I have to inject myself with a needle every 11 days for testosterone. Um, my body doesn't make cortisol. So I have to take cortisol tablets and wow. my thyroid doesn't work. So I have to take thyroid medication. So there's, there's a lot of medication. Um, That's crazy. But I will say that I know. I will say that in spite of all the medication that I have to take, this is the most normal that I've felt in probably a decade. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's insane. And and, and it took me a really long time to get to this point too, like even after the surgery, because um, one, insurance in the United States is pretty horrendous and they don't want to cover anything. So yeah. I, it took me like a year and a half for them to like approve my testosterone. Um, so like even for a year after the surgery that was deemed a success, I still wasn't like, I was still um in really bad shape you know um, yeah it shock it really does shock me this the united states with their health um <laughs> the health yeah. industry because i mean we are so blessed over here because oh, yeah. the majority of medical stuff and even medication is covered by our government or at reduced rates so i mean yeah. even myself i have a thyroid issue so I take thyroxin every day yeah me too um mm -hmm. and i get that for barely i think it's about 12 dollars um oh yeah so we are really blessed here so i just it absolutely frustrates me when i hear friends of mine in the states people that have either lived there all their lives or people that i know mm -hmm. from australia that moved over and it really is it's such a terrible time when you're going through a, a medical issue to then have to worry about the concern yeah. of being able to afford it or you know being eligible for it or whatever it may be it's it's absolutely crazy Oh, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, I was worried about, I was preemptively worried about it while I was waiting in the ER. In the ER. Yeah, I can imagine. Like the, one of the biggest reasons I almost didn't go to the ER was because I didn't have insurance. Yeah. Luckily I did. But. That is crazy. Now, as yeah. you just mentioned before, you did do um, the EP Nostalgia in 2017. Then you also started writing again in 2018. You did You're Not Insane, which was released in 2019. And the video mm -hmm. premiered as a Billboard exclusive. Yeah, yeah. How did that, how was, did that, that was feel? A highlight. I bet. That was, 
it was okay that was insane because um my publicist at the time i was at work so like i was you know i still work a nine to five because i need the health care and stuff mm. and i i was actually in the bathroom um and she might she normally like emails me she rarely ever calls me or texts me so i was like physically in the bathroom like i was peeing and my phone is ringing and it's her and i'm like so I guess to even preempt this, when I first when I first hired her as a publicist, and we had this is my first like release ever. So, mm. I like she gave me like when when you get a PR agent, they they give you a list of approved um, outlets that they that they're going to send to, and like on the list was like big outlets like Rolling Stone, Alternative Press, and Billboard, and I was just like, I mean, I don't know why you're putting these outlets on there. They're not going to want to hear anything from me, but I was like, go for it, and like you know, a month and a half later when I'm in the bathroom and I get a phone call from her and I see her name on my phone pop up. And the first thing I thought in my head was like, there's no way billboard. And so I answer oh, the phone uh... and she's like, she's like, she's like, Daryl, um, I'm sorry. I normally don't call this. Uh, so I normally don't call, but like, I'm just so excited right now. And I just kind of figured you would want to hear me say this to you, but billboard wants to run an exclusive on your music video. And I was just like, that is crazy. What? <laughs> so, that was that was the moment that was the moment for me that um really solidified my choice to do music as a career yeah because um, it really felt like it felt right it was exciting and also at the same time it was scary because i was afraid that i was going to peak at that like i was afraid the first release i'm gonna get placed on billboard and i'll never be able to match that ever again and i still have that anxiety to this day but i've gotten over it a little bit and um yeah, I've just never looked back ever since that. See, I'm a true believer that um, if you really look at music, whatever you want to release, there's going to be somebody that wants to listen to it. Yeah. If you really look at all the genres and all the people that have released music over history, there's always someone that wants to, you know, they, they've always got their own fan base. So I just, I'm a big believer in just putting it out there. You just never know. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. There's there's all kinds of people with all kinds of tastes. Now you also, as you just mentioned, um, the Songs of Recovery, which dropped in November 2020. Now that chronicled mm -hmm. the challenges that you faced with your affliction was also met with critical acclaim. How did that feel? That is That one's hard to believe, to be honest. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, because it was released during a pandemic when like a record yeah. about music was being released. Um, so it was kind of kind of hard for me to believe that anything that I put out would stand out against anything that anybody else put out. Um, so that was, it was hard to believe, but it was really like, again, it was really validating. Mm. Um, it's not like, I don't, I wouldn't say that I do it for the validation, but it feels certainly good. helps. Yeah, <laughs> it's it really good. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm human. Exactly. Um, and like we landed in Music Connection Magazine, which was like pretty big for me. Um, it was like a physical print magazine too. Yeah. Like the billboard article was awesome, but obviously I didn't land in like a physical billboard magazine. This one, like I, I landed in a physical magazine and like I, I subscribed to them just so I could get this one issue so I could have it. <laughs> and, and now I have it sitting in my room and it's really small too, but it's like, it was awesome. And like somehow we were able to do such a massive pre-sale campaign that um, we charted on iTunes like on the first couple of days that it was released. Um, and that was huge for me. That was like a, a big one. Um, yeah, I bet. And it just actually made me really, really want to go for like a billboard chart for the next yeah. release. So that's, that's so what, I, what I have my eyes on. Yeah. 
Thank I you. love that. I love that. So, Dara, tell us where can people find out more about you? Okay, so I have all the socials. Um, my website is darrochia.com, D-A-R-R-O-C-H-E-A.com. Um, all my social media is listed on there as well. Um, my Instagram is at darrow underscore C. Uh, my TikTok is also darrow underscore C. And my YouTube is youtube.com slash darrow underscore C. I'm so going to have to follow you on TikTok. Oh, <laughs> it's my you know, favorite app. You're not really ready. Is. I love it. It's, Isn't it brilliant? It's just so fun. It it's is. It's so fun. And, I, was, and, I was so addicted to begin with, and then we, yeah. we had in here in Australia all these news reports, oh, China's spying on you. Get rid of it. So I got rid of it, and I was like, I can't get rid of it. I need it It's back. too fun. It's I so know. fun. It's yeah. absolutely There's amazing. so many creative people on there. It's just like, I don't so know how many. they come up with this stuff. Yeah. I know. Well, Dara, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story with me. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners will too. And I wish you, you only continued success. I'm sure it's there for you. It's just waiting to happen. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I'll let you know if it does. Thank you. Definitely. Anthony. I'd love to. Speak soon. Ants Talk. It's like Oprah, but not.